If you have a financial question for Peg or Bruce, you can call this number 24-7. Keep in mind, 1-888-6-ADVICE. You can also email those questions to yourmoneyatwealthenhancement.com. But in the meantime, during the show, you can call right now or text our studio line at 651-461-9226. Once again, here's Senior Vice President and Financial Advisor Peg Webb and the founder of Wealth Enhancement Group, Financial Advisor Bruce Helmer. Good morning, Denny. Good morning, Bruce. Morning, Peg. Hello, Peg. And uh, hello, ageless Denny Long. Good to be with you again, as always, sir. I wouldn't go that far. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, guys, before we uh, dive into the show today, I just want to acknowledge, um, you know, when when you're at the cabin or when you're out at your picnic or when you're getting together with friends and family this long holiday weekend, taking a day off. Let's all remember why we've got this holiday. We're, we're talking about men and women of our military that made the ultimate sacrifice, gave their lives for their country. I'm someone that never served personally, but I appreciate anyone and everyone that did. And if you know somebody that uh, had a family member that did make that ultimate sacrifice, make sure you thank them. And let's let's acknowledge you know why we all have uh, some special time this this weekend. I would agree with you, Bruce. Um, my late father and two out of my four brothers served, and so I do admire them and uh, grateful that there's all these people out there that do sacrifice for all of us. Absolutely. Uh, so let's let's jump into the topic today, Peg. Today we're talking about the definition of risk, and I think when when most people think of risk in terms of their investing, they think of risk of principle. Can my investment lose money or go, go backwards and go the wrong way? But we're going to spend a lot of time today talking about other variables and other things that we look at as financial advisors, financial planners, that we don't look at risk quite that simply. It's a little bit more complicated than that. Well, there's a lot to it. Um, Part of the, the, let's see, when we have introduction meetings, uh, I can't tell you more times than not, people will come in and say, I would like the highest return with the lowest risk. And by the way, if I don't even have to risk, I really don't, you know, I, I, I just don't feel like I worked so hard for this money, I don't necessarily want to lose it. So there's kind of an education process, Bruce, when it comes to this word risk. And usually the prospective client comes in and kind of sets the stage. Uh, you know, we, we hear so much about uh, the risk to the stock market. Uh, you don't hear as much about the risk to the bond market, but I would say that we get bombarded with um, people saying, oh, you know, I want to buy, I'd love to buy um, low, and then I'd love to sell high, right? <laughs> so um, there's this thing called standard deviation, and I don't really get into the weeds with a lot of my clients, But one of the metrics that you and I use and our investment management team use is this word called, these words called standard deviation. And all that is, 
is just looking at the volatility in comparison to historical averages. Now, we've all heard, too, that the past is not indicative of the future, but it's some type of gauge. So what they do is they take a time frame, one year, three year, five year, 10 year, and then they just look at how much was this particular investment up and how much is it down. And, you know, a standard uh, benchmark, the S&P 500, which is 500 large uh, stocks, uh, if you took that index, we could give you a standard deviation on that particular index. So, Bruce, it can be technical, but I wanted to start the conversation today with uh, the sentence that I get a lot. I'd love to have no risk but high returns. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I get that sentence also. And, and again, um, Peg, I think most people do understand that returns and risk have a relationship with one another. That if you want higher returns, it might mean you have to take higher risk. But I, you're right. I still get people that don't understand, understand the difference. And, then, and sometimes they'll even name a number. They'll come in and say, okay, I want or I need a you know, 10% rate of return, but I don't want to take any risk. And I have to tell them there is no such thing. That is not possible. What you're asking doesn't exist. I can't do that. Nobody can do that. Um, but, you know, also when we talk about risk, again, coming back to this idea of losing money or having your account go backwards. So we started, you know, with stocks, which is what I think most people think about. You wisely brought in that that can also happen with bonds. So when we when we talk and you also mentioned, you know, the talking to clients and and you know, what do they want, what do they need? One of the things that as an advisor, we have to understand about our client and some of its personality, some of its maybe uh um, you know, the way they were raised, some of it's, you know, the, their wiring, it's embedded in them. But what is their risk tolerance? Different people have different capacities to take on risk. And, and that has to play into our advice when, uh, when we're talking to clients about how to invest. Um, and we, but on the other hand, I get these clients that say, I, I have really low, they don't use the word risk tolerance, but I, I, I surmise based on the things they say, I don't want to take any chances, I don't want to lose any money, I don't want to take any risk. Well, if I'm going to listen to what they're telling me, and then I have to put all their money in you know, money markets or bank accounts or things that don't have any risk of principle, but then I can, I can say with absolute certainty, unless they're, you know, unless they die really, really, really young, they're going to run out of money before they die, which I consider a far more significant risk yeah. than a little short-term risk on their the principal on their investment portfolio. Vic? Yeah, a couple of things too, Bruce, and we just basic, basic for us, think about investment risk uh, for a particular client or a potential client. You know, we actually asked a lot of questions. And to the point where we kind of warn people that we're going to ask a lot of questions because it's important. Uh, we kind of want to know what your family history is. Um, I, it, I hate to say it, but in the first couple, you know, 30 minutes or so, I can tell what somebody's personality is like. 
we've done this so long and all of our advisors are very experienced. When we have a conversation with people, um, we can tell, you know, do, are they are they somebody who's really worked hard and they have, you know, um, different circumstances, but they saved their entire life. I have to tell you, Bruce, this is <clears throat> this is a, quite the job that we decided to take on because people will come in and they show me all the things that they've saved and they've worked all their life and they just they want to know, is this enough for the rest of my life? Well, that takes a lot more questions. And so that's why I brought up family history. I brought up personality. Lifestyle is another thing that we talk about. And then it depends on the age that you are right now. So I would say more so than not, um, most people come in and say, you know, and, and some people are shaking, right, as they push their investment papers, their details about their bank accounts or how much pension they have. They're kind of shaking as they just kind of pass that over to me because they're really wondering from some professional who has done this for a long time, do I have enough? Other people just go, okay, here's my money. I, I know I have enough. You know, I'm more of an engineer type. I'm a numbers person. And I have the ability to um, spend this freely, but I certainly need your comprehensive advice because I mean, I want to be a steward of the wealth because it's not just about me. It's about my significant other and the rest of my family. And they have kind of this heavy, dark cloud above them that, that wants to know that either they're doing everything um, the way they should or is there some suggestions we have. And then there's so many people, as I mentioned, just this person who had the dark cloud you know, there's a longevity or a legacy to somebody. And as you get older, I witness that clients, that just pulls their heartstrings more and more as they get older. And, and, and it might change, Bruce. It might change to what's important to them when it comes to risk and, and what they want as you get older. And then lastly, there's so many philanthropic people uh, that we work with. And so not only would they want to get money to their kids, but they also want to, you know, help out the community or, you know, they have these favorite charities and, and they want to know, um, can I afford to do that? All of what I just described is the basics of trying to figure out how much money you have, what do you want, kind of could say what, what goals do you have, and then we back into it, Bruce. We say, do you have the, you know, do you have the money? We're going to do the math now that would create an income for the rest of your life. And then do you have the funds to be able to do uh, your wishes and wants? Bruce? Yeah, that's really good stuff. And of course, what you're, what you're defining there, Peg, is what we call, or it's a subset of financial planning where we do some sort of future value forecasting based on your specific situation as a client. And again, everybody's different. No two people are exactly alike. Uh, Peg, I know I'm a little bit all over the map here, but I wanted to go back to something you said earlier and actually something I said. I want to I want to um, add a little bit more detail. When you brought up you know, standard deviation and looking at an investment portfolio, one of the ways of measuring risk is 
how much does that portfolio deviate from the norm? That's the standard deviation. Again, like you, I don't want to get into the technical stuff on this radio show, but what a lot of people don't understand is if you looked at a rate of return and maybe you're in a review with a client and we're managing a portfolio and they say, hey, your return was the same as my 401k and nobody's even managing that. What am I paying you guys for? The response might be, or part of the response, we had a much lower standard deviation. This was much lower risk. If we can get the same return or a comparable return with less risk, especially if you have low risk tolerance, there's certainly value to that. And then the other thing I had mentioned, you know, that people tell us what, or we surmise what their risk tolerance is. They say they don't want to take any risk, but we can determine if they don't, they're going to run out of money before they die. So we have to convince them that they may need to take some risk. They may need to put some money in stocks and bonds because they, we need to beef up their rate of return or return on investment to make sure that it's high enough that, A, they don't run out of money before they run out of breath, or a lot of people, even B, gold B is, I need to keep pace with inflation. If my return is positive, but it's low, it's not even as high as the inflation rate, even though I didn't lose principal, which I define as safe, I'm losing purchasing power, which you and I would not define as so safe. So again, a lot of this is educating the client, but then I'm going to, after you know, going backwards, I'm going to go forwards again here before I throw the baton back to you or hand the baton back to you. You started to go down the road where I, I think we need to go next, that all of this, all of this is subsets, again, of financial planning, which starts with goals and objectives. What are you trying to accomplish based on your core values, based on what's important to you? When do you want to retire? What kind of lifestyle do you want at retirement? Do you want to help kids? Do you want to help grandkids? Is it important to leave a legacy? Do you want to live on only your principal and earnings and leave the balance for loved ones? Or do you not care if you spend your last dollar the day you take your last breath? All of these things come into play in terms of the advice that we give, and all of these things are impactful in terms of what is risk and how much risk is this particular client comfortable taking. Peg? Yeah, I, I, I agree with all that. You know, having that roadmap is just important because once you have that, the um, – the defining the goals and actually, you know, what your core values are, then, you know, how much risk do you have to take? And I love that because a lot of times people think when they come into people like us that we're just going to try our hardest to make the most money that we can make on it, and even if it's risky. And that's not true. I actually am so happy when I have a client that they just say, okay, make you don't have to like take huge chances. Let's just be really thoughtful about this and let's, um, you know, um, let's not shoot for the stars here and, and, you know, create an asset allocation that will basically, Bruce, allow us to sleep at night is what they say. So um, there really is four major external risks that we kind of take into consideration with our planning process. And one is, I mentioned already, your age. 
So longevity is a big deal because when you're doing the math of how much, how long your money's going to last, you take into consideration that that money has to grow. You're going to spend some, you need a little bit extra growth because to keep up with inflation. So um, family history is a big deal. I mean, we just, we need to be knowledgeable about it. I know that it's changing. You know, modern medicine is having us live longer. Um, our financial plans are now being rent. I run mine out to 100. A lot of um, advisors in our practice will go with the Social Security numbers of 92 and 94. Uh, but that's a long time if people are, you know, retiring in their 60s. So it's just science, right? We're just trying to add another probability of success type of thing by looking at it and seeing, you know, if one of you live this long, if one of you, um, you know, have to go into a long-term care facility, we're, we're, we're responsible for kind of going through the what ifs. And then Bruce, you already mentioned inflation. And then I just mentioned it again here that you need to grow your money beyond your distribution because things are going to cost more. Well, that wasn't a big deal for the last decade or so, but now it's a really big deal. And, you know, some of my clients are coming in and asking that we rerun their forecast because healthcare and groceries and all these things um, are going up. But what I would tell you is, I would say for all our retired people, there, there was inflation there. There's no question. I mean, the Medicare... Uh, costs that they take out of your Social Security check has gone up. Um, yes, Social Security has gone up this uh, particular year, but there's um, so many things, groceries, if you want to eat healthy, that our clients have already experienced. This is like a brand new thing um, to us. So, you know, taking a look at how, how much would we predict uh, inflation over time, Bruce, we still use within our planning department uh, 3% compounded, and you wouldn't believe how big that number gets in a very little amount of time that you need to have um, growth on your portfolio because you need to be able to uh, compound inflation and know that you're going to be okay when things cost more. Bruce? Yeah, so you so we're, we segued now, uh, listeners, into some external factors that you have to consider when you think about risk. And Peg brought up longevity. How long are you going to live? And Peg, when I, when I think of longevity, yeah, I also think, again, of, of goals that my clients often have. So they might have a goal, for example, of you know providing for loved ones, not only while, while they're here, but after they leave this world. And, and again, I think of longevity. That might mean they're, they're a candidate, perhaps, for something like life insurance that gives an infusion of capital to loved ones after they leave this world. Or someone says, and I get this a lot, as I get older, I don't want to be a burden to anybody. That might mean they're a candidate for long-term care insurance because they don't want to have their kids have to take care of them. I bring these two things up because, again, financial planning is not just investing or asset allocation. Financial planning has a lot of pieces and components to it. And, and, and the, the key thing about longevity is, is that we're living longer. It's a good news, bad news. Good news, we're living longer. We'll be here longer to enjoy our retirement, to, to, you know, to enjoy our loved ones, to pursue our retirement passions. But that means our money has to last longer also. And then you brought up, or we re-brought up inflation. 
And yeah, for years we said it wasn't a big deal, but even when it wasn't a big deal, it was sort of a stealthy, sneaky, you know, reduce your, your purchasing power without you even knowing it. Well, now it's, it's a higher and it's more in our faces and we're, and we're aware of it. So longevity, inflation, um, I'm down to the last minute or so here, so I'll kind of take us to the, to the break and we'll finish this discussion after the break because uh, Danny Pegg and I have more external factors that you need to consider with regard to risk. But Peg, to your point about inflation being higher now, but we're still assuming 3%, when we do the planning, planning is linear because it has to be, life is not. So that 3% average over the long term might still be accurate because there was a lot of years where it was a lot lower than 3%. Now it's higher, but we have to. life is not linear, and we know that when we forecast. Denny, I know we're due for a break, my friend. Yes, we are, and inviting our listeners to join in on the conversation. You can call or text our studio line right now with your financial questions, 651 651- Four six one nine two two six. Again, call or text the studio line now at six five one four six one nine two two six. Also, keep in mind if you think of a question midweek, you can also call one eight 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 six advice. We'll be back with more of your money. Call us six five one four six one nine two two six. If you have a financial question for Peg or Bruce, you can call this number 24-7. Keep in mind, one eight 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 six advice You can also email those questions to your money at wealthenhancement.com. But during the show, right now, you can call or text our studio line 651-461-9226. Once again, here's Senior Vice President, Financial Advisor Peg Webb, and the founder of Wealth Enhancement Group, Financial Advisor Bruce Helmer. Thank you, Danny Long. Hey, Danny um, and listeners, uh, if you just joined us late, uh, Peg and I are talking about defining risk today. And if you've been with us, thank you for staying with us. Hey, Danny, we've got more to cover, but uh, if if we've got callers holding, let's take a a call or two. Sure, let's do that. I think Steve calling in from Mankato, Minnesota, has been hanging on the line. Thank you, uh, Steve, for your patience. What's your question, please? Yeah, my questions this morning relate to... um Social Security. I, I plan on retiring next April at the age of 65. Um, I'm on a lifetime uh, monthly set pension from retired teaching already. Um, I have a question about how much money can I make after I apply for Social Security. I, there's a limit there I can make for the rest of the year. What is that number next year? Hey, Steve. Yes. Um, were you born in uh, 58 or 59? 59. 59, okay, thank you. So, Peg, Steve, I would think what Steve's looking for is if you start to draw your Social Security benefit before you reach full retirement age, which for Steve is going to be 66 years and 10 months, you have a limit on how much income you can make before it has a detrimental impact on your Social Security benefit. But, but, but I don't think, Peg, correct me if I'm wrong, I don't think, it sounds like Steve has a PERA pension. I don't think pension income is, uh, counts against him. I think it has to be earned income, like W-2 income. Is that correct? Or uh, get, correct me Give the right answer. I, I, I set it up for you. Now give us the right answer. 
Yeah, um, I, I'm a retired teacher. Yeah, right. retired. Um, I don't have the exact number. Um, what I can tell you is it's kind of in the mid fifty thousands range um, that you can earn in the year that you are starting Social Security. Um, I don't what about, have those what, what about avoiding penalty? What about avoiding that that two for one or one for two penalty? There's a lower number there, isn't there? Yeah, there is. And I don't have that all in front of me. I usually would look at my cheat sheet in my office. But um, we okay. have, I don't know if you have it in front of you. Yeah, I think um, I'm, I do have the cheat sheet. If I'm looking at this right, I think it's um, taking Social Security under full retirement age, you're limited to $21,240 in 2023. But now, again, that, Steve... Go ahead. Is that prorated per month, or can you do that like in a in a three month like working construction and then stop for the year? Now, yeah, now you're really getting into the weeds. I think you're right that yeah. that's you know that's an that's an annual number, but but yeah, if you if you work a, a certain uh, number of months or whatever before you file, it gets you're right, it gets tricky. But, but again, I, I thought you, you originally asked the question and you mentioned your, your pension. Uh, you said you were a teacher, so I knew it was P-E-R-A. I thought you were worried about your pension driving that income number up, which I don't think it does. But yeah, your mm -hmm. W-2 come, you, you gotta be careful. And let me ask you this, I, I, I think the solution is, is there any reason you can't wait until full retirement age to draw your Social Security. If you're going to be 65, you've only got to wait another, you know, one year and 10 months. Um, unless there's something, you know, I don't know, I think just based on what I do know, I would I would suggest you wait until then to draw Social Security. Is there a reason you want to yeah. do it sooner? Well, I'm going to move out of the country half of each year, and uh, I want to just be done working. And I, like I say, I have guaranteed income for life against my teaching wages. <clears throat> and yeah. uh, on my mind is I'm just looking at what should I sh should or shouldn't do to stay under that. Hopefully that new uh, law that passed is going to help me not pay state tax on Social Security uh, benefits. Yep. Mm -hmm. Thank um, you. Yep. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, Steve. Peg, you want to you want to jump in on any of this discussion? Anything we're not thinking of that we should be addressing? Well, I think there is, um, Steve, a math drill that has to be done. It's just a little difficult on the radio because we don't have all the dates and the uh, amounts in front of us. But if you sure. would like to, you can for sure call our um, Wealth Enhancement Group number and ask for that detail. We would be happy to help you. I will do that. Thank you. Yeah. And yeah. also, I... I I'm sorry, we're all talking at once. I'm sorry, Steve. Also, uh, uh, Denny mentioned that you're from the Mankato area. We do have an office in Mankato, Minnesota, and we just happen to have probably the, 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 the brightest financial advisor mind in the country in our Mankato office. Frequent listeners to the show have heard Ryan McEwen on with us before, so Ryan might be a good guy for, might be a good guy for you to chat with. But, yeah, your, your question um, is not atypical. It's the type of thing we do see a lot. Okay, thank you. All right. Good luck, yeah, Steve. Good luck. 
let's uh, congratulations on retiring. Pig, let's go back. Um, unless uh, unless there's another person that's been holding, Denny. We have a couple of text messages when we get to them, but uh, why don't you guys finish up and uh, we'll grab those when you're finished. All right, thank you. So, Peg, in the first half, we talked a lot about risk. What is it? What isn't it? Um, and we got to the point where we talked about external factors to um, understanding risk. And, and you brought up longevity and you brought up inflation, but there's a couple more external factors that I think it'd be remiss if we didn't mention, Peg? Yeah, and we, we kind of hinted a little bit at, uh, in the beginning about market returns. So that's an external risk, right? Is the market up? Is the market down? Is the, um, is the um, bond market, is the interest rates up? Is it down? All those things are going to be uh, factored in when we look at tolerance of risk. And it there's no way, no how, that we can predict what next year is going to bring or the next year. So we do follow a philosophy of diversification. And, Bruce, I have to tell you personally, I hate that I have to do that, right? We all hate that we have to do that. Why, why can't we just pick the very best thing and not have 10 different, you know, ways of diversification? Um, that simple type of thinking would be great if it weren't for the fact that, you know, um, the markets are driven by the economy and markets are driven by the economics of these um, companies. And, you know, we're talking still about, well, we got a couple of things. We got the debt ceiling thing. We got uh, the R word, the recession yet, you know, we're monitoring uh, companies and seeing if their profits are going lower because, you know, interest rates are higher and it's complex is what it is. And so I love that our investment management team, you know, creates these investments for us to uh, participate in so that we have exposure to lots of different asset classes. And when I said I hate the fact that we can't just pick one and, and hope that it's the very best, and not hope, really believe that this is probably the best thing to be in, um, you know, you get shattered uh, mentally quite early if you only have one thing. Do you know that your exponential risk of having one thing versus 10 is just a thousand one, right? Because if you don't spread it out, um, what we do know by that standard deviation that I talked about in the beginning of the show, you know, what has history proven doesn't mean that it's going to repeat itself, but it gives us quite an indication of how does this particular asset fare, you know, over time. So the clients that work with us, Bruce, um, they believe in diversification, and you have to because one of the things that I learned early in my career is if you pick something, you say, this is the best, this is what's going to be the best forever, um, and it goes way down, you know, and you didn't buy three, five, ten other asset classes, then it's going to take you so much longer to recover than someone who is willing to diversify. So bottom line here, when I, when I think about the market returns, I think about not so much about how much you gain, how much you don't lose. 
So because by not losing, you don't have to dig, you know, out of that ground hole and it doesn't take as long to recover. Um, and then that actually, to me, is your long-term success, willing to be diversified. Bruce? Yeah, I like where you went there, Peg. Thank you. Um, you know, market returns, we always say that you, we can't tell you what's going to happen in the short term. And I think some, sometimes people don't want to hear that. They want us to know. Um, I'm not embarrassed to say I don't know because I know that nobody knows, and anyone that pretends they do is either disingenuous or wrong because uh, we don't know in the short term. But we do know historically what's happened, and there's a lot of different markets out there to look at, right? They're not all the same. So people often quote the Dow or the S&P because that's what they hear on the news most of the time. Well, the Dow and the S&P don't. Uh, mirror image each other in terms of returns. They're both large cap domestic stock indexes, but one of them is only measuring 30 companies and one of them is measuring 500 companies. So the S&P, which has been around since 1957, I think, you know, if you, if you go from 57 to the present, I think it's averaged about 10% per year, give or take a little bit. But how many years from from 1957 to the present, actually made 10%. It ranges from, I don't know, 37 to negative whatever. It's all over the place getting us to that long-term average, which is why we say it doesn't matter. We don't, we don't know what will happen in the short term, but we also don't care because we're confident that long-term stocks will reward investors and only your long-term money should be in stocks. I also like, Peg, again, that you talked about mitigating risk, because I think a lot of people, when they think about investing, they think about maximizing return on investment. I never think of it that way when advising a client. I think of if we do some kind of forecasting, can we determine the average rate of return that this client needs to achieve to hit their goals and objectives, retire when they want, with the lifestyle they want, leave the legacy they want, all those things. And then I want to get that rate of return, whatever that number is, with the least amount of risk possible. That's what investing is to me. It's trying to achieve a certain investment return that will guarantee your success. And how do we get that return with the least amount of risk possible? But so again, um, what people can absorb in terms of risk or not absorb in terms of risk. I had a lot of people in my life, Peg, tell me, they have high risk tolerance. We, in the first half of the show, we talked about low risk tolerance. I've had a lot of people tell me they have high risk tolerance that were losing their minds in 2008 or even very, very nervous last year. And I always say I'm always surprised by people that seem surprised when we have a retraction in the market. The market, again, as measured by the S&P, goes up 77% of the time, but it retracts and from an annual basis. 23% of the time. So it's not rare to have these retractions. Peg? Yeah, the, the last um, external return that we have to care about is tax policy. And I just want to mention, Steve, the caller mentioned something about, oh, I, I, I think based on the Minnesota uh, law that was just passed, I will be one of those individuals who doesn't have to pay state tax on my Social Security. 
Now, in Minnesota, we were one of 11 states that still tax Social Security. And with this bill that was just passed, um, I believe it's if you're under $100,000 income, then you won't be taxed on Social Security. But that actually just, that is important when it comes to how much of your money do you get to keep in retirement? Now, we do encourage people to not just put money into their tax-deferred account and have a huge IOU to the IRS when they retire, because then you're not in as much control. So taxes in, in recent history have changed multiple, multiple times. And managing your distribution, or I should say forecasting your distribution on future taxation Wealth Enhancement Group can't just all of a sudden decide, well, let's pretend that tax rates are going to be this in two years, five years, 10 years. What we do know right now, Bruce, is that we do have this sunset provision out there that says on January 1st of 2026 that uh, we will go back to the pre-Trump tax rates. So we do have an indication, and quite frankly, in our practice, we are accelerating uh, people to, to uh, take money out of their tax deferred account, whether to use it or to do Roth conversions. Because right now, I have a feeling that that January 1st, 2026 is um, going back to the, um, the, it was sunsetted, that it's actually probably going to happen. So we're, we're planning accordingly. Bruce? Yeah, I, um, I'll give you the last word on our topic if you want, but I, I think we've kind of uh, covered it. I think listeners hopefully have a better sense now of all the variables that we consider that when we, when we consider risk. It's not just short-term risk of principal uh, on your investment. And we've only got about five minutes left. I did want to also talk a little bit, Peg. I'm glad you brought it up. I made a mental note, but I didn't write down anywhere. Um, I saw the news yesterday that uh, there is presumably both Biden and McCarthy have said they, they think we have an agreement. A lot of people have been nervous about the possibility of defaulting on our debt. You want to shed any insight what you've read or what you know? And we'll probably know a lot more next week than we know today. But sounds like good news coming out of Washington. Peg? Yeah, lots of questions from clients, um, not necessarily that they're calling, but when I'm doing the reviews, uh, they're interested in what my opinion is. And I just think with a lot of this, Bruce, um, and I don't know that the media has used this word, but it's kind of theater. Like, I just believe in my heart that they would get something done by the deadline. So in my practice, I was just like, what can I take advantage of? before they end this theater that, you know, might be volatile. And that is interest rates, again, on the short end. So interest rates on treasuries went up a little bit more um, just because of this volatility. So I do believe that it is going to get done and we'll get on the backside of this. Yep, and, and I know there's extremists both on the right and the left that will – criticize and won't vote for it, but I think there's enough moderates and centrists on both sides of the aisle that they will get this done. And that's kind of what I thought all along, but we'd be remiss if we didn't bring it up since it's a breaking story and it's on a lot of people's minds. Before we end with text, was there anything else you wanted to add to our topic on risk today, Peg? 
Well, the only other thing is I try to remind listeners, I kind of forget a lot, but you can find a wealth of educational resources related to today's topic on our new web page that we just opened, wealthenhancement.com backslash your money. That will take you directly to uh, these educational resources. And if you're interested in a particular topic, you'll be able to find more information there. Bruce? Awesome. Denny, we want to sneak in a text or two? I think maybe we could do this uh, quickly in the last two minutes. A, a couple 67 years old. They have $1.8 million in IRA and Roth. Uh, the current needs are 3000 monthly from those funds, the balance coming from Social Security. They want to know how they can figure out how uh, the retirement funds will last. How do they do that mathematically? Pig? Well, <laughs> We, we maybe we cheat, Bruce, because we have the we have a very high uh, sophisticated software that we plug in. So Wealth Enhancement Group actually puts a three percent inflation. You should look at the risk tolerance that you're taking. Let me just give you an example: sixty percent stock, forty percent fixed income in cash. You know, you might want to plug in five six percent um, per year. Then uh, this, um, and then simply just divide divide the money that you need to take out 36,000 a year into that million eight and use that as a guideline. Are you 4% withdrawal rate? Are you higher than that? Are you lower than that? That is just a measurement that we start with in conversations with clients. Bruce. Yeah. And then uh, it gets even more complicated. Again, I've had people say to me, I had someone stand up once at a seminar and say, my financial plan, I want to spend my last dollar the day I take my last breath. Can you do that? I said, absolutely. You just have to tell me exactly when you're going to die. Well, obviously, we don't know that, so we're going to probably have something left when we die. But if it's important to leave a legacy to loved ones, we're going to recommend different advice than if, than if it's not important. So there's other variables there, but it's a really good question, and it's probably a good place to uh, stop the show, Danny. Very good, and uh, we hope you join us again uh, next week. Now, if you do have a financial question for Peg or Bruce, uh, and you think of it uh, midweek, you can always call this toll-free number and leave it for us, 888-6-ADVICE. You can also email those questions to your money at wealthenhancement.com. But do call us if you think of something at 888-6-ADVICE, your money at wealthenhancement.com. Please join us again next week for more of your money.